0: after further review if you remember this song you know one of the most classic videos that's right on VHS when it came out back in 1989 and then had a remake in back in 1990 this music is off of Michael Jordan's playground when they were chronicling the battle between himself and Joe Dumars and someone that probably has seen this video over and over again is the coach back here on the radio show on 88.3 WSTs after further review. Darren Cohn, welcome, Coach Cohn. Do you remember this music?
1: Oh, yeah, man. That's an oldie. That's bringing back uh, bringing back some vintage memories. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: yeah. It's one of my favorite videos out of the, the Michael Jordan series. I think my most favorite is Airtime. Michael Jordan's Playground was the, the second because it told you a story about the one kid getting cut, and he's basically at Michael Jordan's Playground uh, talking with Mike. It was a good, good video.
1: Yeah, now all these young kids uh, listening to your show have to look it up on YouTube or something. Y- yes, it actually,
0: by the way, quick uh, note for you with this. Um, Michael Jordan's Playground was actually blocked on YouTube. You could only see it in the international version. I think just recently they actually got permission to load the actual um, video up on there. They had Michael Jordan come fly with me, and they had Michael Jordan airtime. Michael Jordan's Playground was actually blocked. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. You're, I- always,
1: you're always full of some... Uh, Some useless tidbits of interesting information, D. Lawson.
0: I don't know if it would be useless. I mean, if you're a Michael Jordan fan and you've been looking for this for years, because, I mean, I have the VHS version, but I don't have a VCR. So, So, you know, I I can't play it. You know what I mean? Sounds like...
1: So, sounds like that might be a, a prize uh, to post on eBay.
0: Yeah, that is true. So, like I said, I, I like to watch this. So, about a few months ago, I said, let me see if they put Michael Jordan's Playground up on YouTube. And sure enough, the person put it up there, and it didn't get blocked. But in re- uh, past years, it was blocked. So, so I would just nice. watch airtime and come fly with me.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: So, we got Darren Cole, the coach here, on the phone lines. And it's because it's pretty much a whirlwind of NBA trade deadline, NCAA tournament, and the high school season just ended. But we'll go to the meat and potatoes for Darren Cohn, and that is the high school season. And guess what? We actually got through a high school season. Michigan is just finishing up, so we had the coronavirus pandemic. Looks like we're turning the corner just a little bit now where fans are actually coming to some of the games. That was kind of more fans were coming at the end of the year for games. But how impressed were you that we actually – were able to get a season it where some teams did get close to 22 games while others got like 16.
1: Yeah I think it was fantastic uh, that you know we've gotten to the point we are now with really all levels of basketball but at high school it's probably most challenging because there's less control over all the variables and you know so kudos to all the athletic directors who are and head coaches who are hustling and scrambling and um, you know, working to get games on the schedule and working out travel plans and timing and officials and game coordinators. I mean there's a lot of moving pieces to make a game go off more than the the the, the boys showing up to play, you know play a little play a little hoops but uh you know, the teams I thought that were most creative uh, we got close to a full schedule and I think one of the things that was kind of an interesting byproduct of this, is I think you saw um, a lot of uh, matchups that you might not normally see teams playing teams from leagues that they might not normally schedule and, um, and things of that nature. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool and um, really happy that for the most part, everybody was able to make it through safely. Um, And, and, you know, just, just get the kids out on the court opportunity to showcase their skills and, and, uh, and enjoy that aspect of, of the high school um experience that's so vital. Yeah, that is true. What were some of the things
0: that you you took from this season, especially up in this area, you know, whether it was some certain players that you like, certain teams that you like, you were doing a little bit more girls' action, so you have to see a little bit of the girls side too.
1: Well, I I mean, um, you know, I was extremely impressed. I I've said this for many years. I think the girls' basketball in Northwest Ohio is significantly ahead of the boys and um, you know, the the teams in this area uh, you know, did not did not disappoint. Whether that's Notre Dame or Napoleon, and you know, there's a whole list of others. And and the individual players uh, were fantastic. The people you expected to show up show up. Um, and then for the boys, I just thought that you know, again, it was great that everyone got to play and compete. You know, we got some some college signed players in the area, so they got to get out and, and uh, showcase their skills before going to the next level. You know, I was a little disappointed that. Um, none of our teams at the different levels made a little further run you know I thought Toledo Christian had a real chance to go a little further in division four and Cardinal Stritch in division three and you know a few teams in division two um, you know you thought you, you just like to get someone to make it down you know to that final eight or final four every year from northwest Ohio and that didn't didn't really happen this year I mean great run by Ottawa Glandorf they're a little bit uh, a little bit outside of this immediate area, but Ottawa Glandorf was, was fantastic this year. And then the division one schools, you know, uh, start has made them, them great runs the last few years. Um, and, and they, they didn't really get anything going this year and they went so long without being able to get in the gym or practice. And, you know, I probably expected a little more from Northview. and, uh, and, and, and then, um, you know, in the track, you know, in a regular season, You know, St. Francis was a favorite. They really struggled, so we ended up with a three-way tie with Lima Senior, Finley, and St. John's at the top of the league. And uh, you know, Lima Senior had a nice little run. Unfortunately, due to due to COVID protocols, St. John's you know never got to really find out how long their run was gonna was going to go. So you know, the career of uh, Brady Lichtenberg on the hardwood and uh, and some of his teammates, Garcia and company, came up a little bit short. You, You hate to have it taken out of your control. Um I think a team that surprised me this year was Anthony Wayne. You know, Anthony Wayne has lost um, some really good players two years in a row and I think you know when you look at what Southview and Northview had back in the NLL uh, for Anthony Wayne to win that outright. I believe they won it outright. Um that was a you know uh, that was a surprise. I thought they overachieved and they played above expectations and and coach Arthur out there has been doing a terrific job and deserved to be coach of the year and so I thought I was really uh really impressed by uh what the Generals did this year. Oh, yeah, but
0: you forgot a team though.
1: You... Who would I forget? I, thought, I know I did. I I was, I was I was trying to go through them all in my mind. Who did I forget? I know I did. They
0: made it to the sweet 16 in D2 Central Catholic. They had a losing record in the Yeah, track. yeah,
1: yeah. So Central Catholic, how about that story? So Central is like the youngest team in Northwest Ohio. They're pretty much all freshmen and sophomores, um, you know, in a second year coach. And they, they really had, a, I mean, kind of an abysmal regular season uh, with, with, you know, starting late, you had football and then you have COVID and, you know, not being able to practice and already being so inexperienced. And then they were just terrific when they, you know, they got it going towards the end of the season. They lost some close games to really good teams and then you know got some just some fantastic wins in the tournament uh beating Rossford and making it to the sweet 16 and you know Chico Johnson is one of the more impressive uh sophomores in the league and they did that with with guys out they did that with injuries and you got the big fella Jones inside one of the one of the better big men in Northwest Ohio so yeah there's there's so much uh so much future there um on, on Cherry Street with Mike Floyd and his crew yeah they had a terrific run and you know the the record ten years down the road, people you look at the record, you're gonna be like, oh, they weren't very good, but they got it going when it mattered most, uh when it was winner go home and in that tournament time.
0: Yeah, that that it that is certainly certainly true because like I said, now we're gonna that was that because I was about to say
1: you you you
0: gotta you can't forget Central Catholic. Now we gotta give them. A I knew bit of- I was
1: forgetting somebody. I, I sure did. I was sitting there, it was going through my mind. And I, you know, I covered them multiple times this year and they're so talented. Uh I love, I love their young kids and they got a little bit of everything. You know, they got, they got a strong point guard. Um, they got some shooters around the perimeter. They got a slashing athlete in Johnson and they had multiple big guys on the interior. The, 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 the brothers that played football, I can't think of their last name right now. Um, uh, you know they're just bruisers and screeners and rebounders, but they are they're, they're just terrific. I mean that's a that's a really good team, and and essentially they're all back if they all choose to play hoops again next year. Now the, now the thing that Mike Floyd has to do, which is it's a shame to say this, but the way high school has become is you got to keep them all there because there's every every year there's just so much transferring now at the high school level. If he can keep them all there, I mean that's a terrific team, and hopefully they all see the potential of how they finish this year of, like, wow, what really could happen yeah. if they stay together for a couple more years.
0: Shout out to the Notre Dame Eagles. They made it to the state Final Four again. Lost to Mount Notre Dame, who ended up winning it against Newark in double overtime in that championship game, 47-45. I, I actually watched that game. I actually paid on Spectral One's website to see that game. Then congratulations to the the, the ladies at Napoleon uh, basically beating on Vinton County as they uh, won the D2 state championship game. Uh, so That was
1: really neat for me because, um, you know, the fact that they were undefeated last year and then the season, you know, got taken away from them and that they were able to kind of, you know, have no letdown and come back and prove and kind of answer the bell like, hey, this is who we were and this is what we deserve. I think think that's a heck of a story. That's one of the the best, um, you know, uh, I guess high school sports stories in Northwest Ohio. In my opinion, in the last few years, yeah,
0: that is, that is very true. And then on the boys' side, I, I was trying to remember the Division One championship. Centerville with Gabe Cups. That was the you remember the the white kid that was shooting with LeBron a couple years ago. He played on Bronny James's Blue Chips team when they were in junior high. They ended up winning the Division One uh, championship.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a that's a heck of a win for Centerville. I mean, because they they went through some really talented teams and and some schools with bigger enrollment, and I mean they they had to get through some players. So yeah. anytime you win the Division One State Championship in the state of Ohio, that's that's a that's a yeoman's feat.
0: Oh yeah, and they ended up beating uh, Westerville Central, who beat Gahanna Lincoln, who people thought was going to be the favorite in Division One <laughs> boys basketball by a buzzer beater, a half court buzzer beater. And that's how they ended up winning. Um,
1: yeah, sometimes that individual talent—you know—that uh, individual talent doesn't always win the day, and you can't—you can't let—you can't, let, um, can't let a game come down to one possession. If you're better, you—you got to show you're better, so you don't even have a chance to lose on a fluke play like that.
0: Right. Uh, Akron Saint Vincent Saint Marys won the D two championship. They kind of ran away with that, uh, I believe, against Columbus the Sales, I believe, and then uh, Cleveland Heights Lutheran East won D three. And in D four, Botkins won their first ever uh, state championship. So it was it was actually pretty interesting for the boys. Like I mentioned before, all on the girl side, Napoleon won in D2. Um, D two. Division one was uh, Mount, no- no- Mount Notre Dame. They they they're just they're just too much. And sometimes it makes you wonder though, what is it that some of these other cities have? This is both boys and girls that just kind of slightly puts them over the edge for schools in this area.
1: Well, I think specifically down in Cincinnati, I think that there's much more youth programs. There's there's uh, the school systems fund their coaching programs to younger ages. So kids start playing basketball organized at a younger age. And they're doing that with with paid coaches and coaching staffs uh, where, you know, depending on the school districts in northwest Ohio. I mean, some some kid some schools don't start organized basketball till ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Other ones are seventh grade and at best around here is like fifth grade. So I think there's, there's a, you know, there's a huge camp system down there. There's um, much more summer programs, much more. There's many more summer programs down there. um, And, and there's more kids. The schools are bigger. The the, the geographic area is bigger. So, I mean, I mean, historically, um, you know, if you just look at the amount of division one players per city in Ohio, that get produced. I mean, Cincinnati is significantly ahead of everybody else. Right.
0: And then does it follow Columbus and then Cleveland, the three C's?
1: Yeah. It depends on the year. Cleveland and Columbus tend to flip flop, at least from the boys side. I'm not, I'm not a uh, uh, familiar, um, With the girls, exactly side. on the girl side, but Cincinnati is always best. Um, then Columbus and Cleveland, sort of flip-flopping, and then it's Dayton usually, mm-hmm. uh, and then after that it can be Youngstown or Toledo, or depending on how you break up some of the small areas. Yeah, that, that is, that's <laughs> totally
0: true. Division three, Berlin Highland, they're a machine. They're both boys and girls are pretty good in Ohio uh, basketball, but they won the D3 and then D4 for girls. Uh, Fort Laramie, they ended up winning. They beat uh, McDonald, which is in the Youngstown area, so congratulations to those state champions and uh, Good thing of high school basketball, he was kind of worried we weren't going to have a season or, you know, kind of a shortened season. Well, my team had a shortened season due to the Lucas County kind of screwing us over a little bit. The health commissioner taking us out uh, for a month and then we ended up uh, basically having to sit out because of COVID for a couple of weeks. So we only got 14 games in. But, uh, hey, in the City League girls, they only got to play like three or four games, which, you know, hopefully next year everything goes back to normal. And I will say this. I see why high school kids don't play an NBA schedule. It is not conducive for high school. You can't be playing four games and seven nights in a week. It's just no learning or no growth, nothing. But I will be glad next year when it goes back
1: to normal where you play one to two games a week. Yeah, yeah. it was interesting when you've seen you know, teams trying to plug those games in, especially the schools that were doing remote learning. It seemed like the remote learning schools had even more – flexibility to schedule the games whenever and whenever um you know and i know i covered some games where the team had played five games in six nights or seven games in eight nights and yeah and it's just uh, i mean that at, at some point i understand the objective but it also gets to be unhealthy for everyone involved
0: yeah we did seven games in eight nights or seven games in eight days that was it was put you know play a game put the rest away cuz just i think high school is more of a learning environment and that's where it should be i don't mind 3 games in a week once in a while cuz it happens in january you play maybe a tuesday friday saturday or a monday thursday saturday schedule depending on which gender you're coaching but uh, 7 games in 8 days ooh, no that, that's that, a
1: lot of that's a lot of stress on the equipment manager just to keep the uh, uniforms clean
0: well, at some schools <laughs> the kids keep their own jerseys clean. <laughs> that, that, that yeah, they they you know, some schools you know, you don't with the you don't have the 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 luxury of a manager. Did you see the All-Blade team?
1: I did. I did. You know, pretty much what you'd expect. I think I think they got it right. I think that was the best players um, you know, on both sides. I think I think you know, you can always argue the six the sixth person versus the fifth, but you know, uh, I thought I thought they did a ter- terrific job. You know, I think uh, if i if I remember right, you had the BCSN team and the Blade team. So the Blade team um, was, is the one they left Cole McQuinney out. I guess he was the sixth guy, I believe. Yeah, it was
0: I, I, it was Sean Craig, which yep. okay, Jaden Wilson, yep, yep, uh, AJ Adams, yep. absolutely, mm-hmm. Caleb Wanamaker, leading scorer in the city, I believe. Yep, yep, and Brady Lichtenberg. Brady Lichtenberg, yep. The- yeah, from
1: St. John's, so yeah. So the, you know, so those five, and and and, and you know, the, really the sixth person that is deserving is Cole McQuinnie from Toledo Christian. Correct. I felt like I felt like those were the best six players um, in in Northwest Ohio at this point. So you know, however you want to cut that, um, you know, that that's that's sort of how it felt. Cole's at the smallest level school, so maybe that had something to do with it. But I felt like uh, you know, in the BCS N team. I think they they flip-flopped that and and had um, maybe A.J. Adams was out because he's from further away down at Finley. But I I felt like those are the best six players, um, you know, in the area. So I feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and then the coach of the year was Mike Schoen.
1: Yeah, so that that one surprised me. Not that it wasn't deserved. I thought it was well-deserved. I just hadn't thought about that throughout the year. I felt, um, you know, that – Anthony Wayne coach Arthur his team had really overachieved but then when I when I read the article and I thought about it you know I you know you think about Mike Schoen replacing you know basically a 40-year legend in Ed Ed Heinzel and going straight into COVID essentially having players transfer um in his first two seasons and still tying for the track league championship which is the best league in northwest Ohio um So after, after, you know, thinking about that, I hadn't, I hadn't considered any of the track coaches, um, as the overall blade coach of the year, but then I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I totally missed that. You know, this was supposed to be my thing, but I didn't really have anyone that came to mind because as I mentioned, there were more teams that disappointed me this year, maybe didn't achieve as much as I thought they would, um, then did achieve. And you know, what St. John's did and considering all the circumstances in the league, they did it in, you know, and being able to come back and. Tied for the league, and really, they 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 played like three games in three days or something, and they lost at the buzzer on the road by um, one point to mm-hmm. Finley. If they would have won that game, they have been outright champs. So, um, pretty interesting how that all came down. But and then they, you know, <clears throat> then they win in the the uh, state tournament and have a chance to advance, and uh, you know, get sort of taken away from. Could have been interesting to see them play Lima Senior again because they knocked off Finley. And uh, and I actually was thinking to myself, we'll find out who the true outright uh, track champ is when Lyman Sr. and St. John's get to lace it up again. But unfortunately, that game never happened. So Lyman Sr. got a bye, and I think they won one more and then got knocked out.
0: No, they lost. They ended up losing to Ignatius.
1: Ah, that's right. uh, Cleveland St. Ignatius. So so maybe that, you know, the Ignatius... Uh, Jesuit relationship, maybe you know that was sort of having having St. John's back there for the <laughs> Titans.
0: <laughs> I don't know, but especially if they would have played each other. Now we go to the girls. <laughs> we go to the girls' side: Grace Van Sluten, obviously; Casey Baumhauer, another obvious; Taylor Strock from Napoleon; Madison Royal Davis, and Olivia Sims. Got that, got it for that. And the coach of the year was Juan Vela, which I will say he deservedly needed, he deservedly got that. I mean, last season, Fremont Ross did not win a game in track play. And they ended up, I believe, winning 18 games this year and ended up going four and three in the league because we only played seven games. Both boys and girls only played seven games because of, because of what's sort of the COVID restrictions, basically. But uh, really a great turnaround. I believe they only won five games last year and then they turned it around to win 18 games and almost almost give a scare and knock off Notre Dame in the district final
1: yeah again I think that was the best five ladies in the area I mean they're all future college players they all led their teams uh, in multiple statistical categories and their teams were all successful and you know for Fremont Ross I mean they, they they always seem to be at a disadvantage in the track against whether it's logistically geographically or just overall amount of talent that comes into the the schools. So I just thought that was a tremendous season, a very unexpected uh, season. And, and, you know, hats off to them for building a program down there and and well-deserved Coach of the Year honors.
0: Yeah. And so that basically sums it up for high school sports. And then uh, now basically teams, after 30 days, get to do their four-man or four-player workouts, and then some schools will, will be having openings from, from some coaches either resigning or uh, uh, basically or getting fired, you know, tis the season. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Jim, though. Jim over at um, Otsego. He retired after 30 years of coaching. I've been to a couple PGC clinics, really class-act. I don't know if you know Jim from Otsego, um, but really class-act guy that just retired after 30 years. So um, kudos to him.
1: Yeah, anyone that anyone that dedicates that much time of their life uh, to young people, and mostly, you know, basically on a voluntary basis, even if you are paid, it's so, it's so minimal uh, <laughs> at that level. Um, you know, just tip of the hat, tip of the hat, because you're doing it for the love of the game and the and the love of young people and being able to provide them opportunities to develop their social and athletic skills. That's
0: true. Moving on, NCAA. What's your thoughts?
1: Man, that's why they call it the madness, baby, the madness. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's been really I, madness. VCU, I, not even, in a, you know, that's a Toledo tie here with Vinnie Williams. We're not to LA yeah. play because of COVID.
1: Yeah, that was extremely disappointing. I mean, again, it, ecstatic that we're able to have a tournament, ecstatic that we had a, a plan in place. And for the most part, it has uh, been fantastic. Uh, but, you know, the, you know, we talked about St. John's being eliminated due to COVID not being able to play. And then VCU's uh, Vincent Williams is a St. John's guy, so it was almost like a double negative for the old Titan family. But um, the tournament has been tremendous. Um, I think the games have been fantastic. They've done a terrific job of, uh, of presenting it, you know, even though it's all there in one city, or sort of in one city, five arenas there in, in Indiana. I mean, it's had the same feel. There's been no letdown. Um, terrific upsets, terrific uh, performances individually and collectively. I've had so much fun with it. Um, I guess in theory, my bracket's all beat up, but I still do have three four, Final Four teams, both Finals teams left and the champion left. Um, and I love these matchups coming up this weekend. Uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I, you know, Shout out to uh, Oral Roberts, you know, from them small school leagues, the number 15, I actually... Uh, uh oral roberts was, was in the southland conference for a long time i coached for two different schools in the southland conference they're leaving mm-hmm. uh, to another new conference this upcoming year um but uh but yeah you always got to love the the small the small guy making a run like that and, and uh it's it's going to be fun i mean there's this is the lowest amount of uh, or the most amount of low seeds or the most amount of high seeds however you want to look at it that are left in NCAA tournaments. So there's going to be a double-digit seed in the Final Four more than likely. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to these games.
0: Well, yeah that, that is true. But two 11 seeds play two 2-seeds. Two which uh, UCLA, um, Nick Cronin doing a really good job over there after leaving uh, Cincinnati. They're playing Alabama. Who Nate Oates uh, used to coach at Romulus for like 12 years. Then went over and became an assistant coach with Bobby Hurley. At Buffalo, then when Bobby Hurley left to go to Arizona State, that's when Oates took over for Buffalo. Now he's down to Alabama, and now he's making Alabama a contender.
1: Yeah, I actually love. I love that team. I actually had them originally in the Final Four. Um, I uh, the fact that, that they, uh, you know, they they really they kind of risen from the ashes. I mean, they they've just struggled for so many years. Avery Bradley did have some, uh, or not Avery Bradley. Avery Johnson did have some really talented recruits. In there, but um, the win, not only the SEC regular season, but the SEC tournament, you know, I love that team and how they guard and how gritty they are. So, and, and you know, same with Baylor and then obviously Gonzaga, they're still unbeaten. Um, so those those three teams are terrific. Those are the three teams that I actually had in the final four from the beginning. Um, and then when, when you look past that, um, you know, Arkansas has been playing so well. And you gotta presume um, that at some point Oral Roberts' luck has to run out. So I really like Arkansas to have, to to win, you know, on Saturday in advance um, and have a legit chance to continue on. And then I'll tell you the other game that is that probably the best game in this next round is Michigan Florida State because yes. both both of those teams have pros both of those teams are very well coached and both of those teams like legitimately have the talent to win the national championship as, as do Alabama, Baylor and Gonzaga, Um, you know, and, and, and then after that, you still, you can't even discount that USC Oregon game too, because USC has pros and Oregon is playing so well. They're so well coached. So there's going to be some tremendous games this weekend. I mean, you know, as there always is, right. I mean, it's just, you you win in advance, you're down to the final 16. I mean, you got, players that can play teams that um, are united and believe in each other's and coaches that are going to have their teams well-prepared. So um, it's going to be exciting.
0: Do you think with COVID and everything, do you think some teams maybe got overseeded or maybe underseeded and they didn't have their true seed?
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that uh, if I, if I blame that on COVID, I mean the selection committee, it's always tough. Um, I, I'll tell you, my my ish, my whole only issue really with Selection Sunday is that the committee continues to disrespect the mid major leagues, and the mid major leagues continue to prove that they deserve more respect. I mean, when I first got into this business, um, you know, 20 years ago, the Missouri Valley oftentimes got three, sometimes four uh, teams into the tournament. The MAC oftentimes got two teams in the tournament, mm-hmm. and I thought it was embarrassing that, that Drake, one of the winningest teams in the country was considered on the bubble or in the last four in like literally down to the final hours, you know, and then Drake and Loyola both win as we expected uh, a game uh, and Loyola still going. And then, you know, Ohio, which essentially was the fourth best team maybe in the Mac this year, you know, wins a couple games or wins a game, has it going. Um, and then probably the biggest travesty is uh, in a little smaller league. So, but Belmont, who won more teams, I think they won 26 games, um, won more teams than anyone in NCAA Division One this year. Really wasn't even considered. I mean, they weren't on the bubble. They weren't in the last four. In like, they didn't win their conference tournament, and we're like, we're done with you. And they won 26 ball games. So I didn't like that. Um, I thought they they deserved more consideration. Um. And I thought that there's no way Drake should have been in question. I'm glad they got in, but there's no way they should have been in question. Um, you know, some people say Loyola was underseeded. I thought that Michigan State, UCLA in a playing game at 11, you know, I, I thought Michigan State, I mean, they beat some of the best teams in the country. Um, and I and I said right away on draft on Selection Sunday, whoever wins that Michigan State, UCLA game is going to win a couple of games. And they have, you know, and Michigan State had, a, had a, you know, really kind of blew the game they had a chance to win it ucla ended up winning it and they've won a couple of games and are still in the tournament
0: wow yeah that that that's what's crazy so it, yeah like i said you need the, some of the mid-majors need to, to get their respect but how can the mid-majors get respect especially the mac could be into a two-bid league again
1: i don't know I, to be honest with you i don't think i don't know that'll ever happen again and and the the difference is 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 we're, we're adding more division one teams every year and we're adding more leagues. So there's more conferences now than ever. Um, You know, in the last 20 years, we went from 260 division one schools to 350 and the tournament and the tournament's essentially the same size. You know, we added the, the, the four playing seeds a few years back. uh, So we've added four more opportunities, but we've added almost a hundred teams to division one. So it's getting harder and harder to get in. And there, you know, so, unless at some point we put a cap or a max on how many bids a BCS level conference can get, um, I don't think it's ever going to change, you know, because, because on the flip side of that, if you look at the big 10, it's hard to argue any of those nine teams not getting in. Now I know the big Ten's completely laid an egg since getting in, Mm -hmm. but there's no question about it. The big 10 was the best conference uh, in America this year. And, and it would be hard to argue any of those nine teams. Now, I probably could make a better argument on, on some of the teams that got in lower in the, in the um, Big East or SEC, ACC or Pac-12. Um, but, you know, then you say, well, how does Big Ten get nine teams and this team can't have five or six? So, you know, it's, it's always devil's advocate. Uh, I guess me being someone who, uh, who, who, you know, buried my roots in mid-major basketball. I'm always more prideful to them, smaller leagues. And I think that's what makes the mystique of, of March Madness. You know, what makes the mystique is Loyola still in it or Oral Roberts still in it. Um, or, you know, uh, when, when Johnny Joe, who doesn't know anything about basketball, is watching watching the March Madness and a team wins that he has to Google because he has no idea where that's at, like Abilene Christian or something like that. So I think that's that's the excitement of uh of the tournament but that's just my opinion
0: yeah you're, you're a mid-major guy um thoughts on the and amenities are of the differences between the men and the women's game as we we've, we've seen it online and the disrespect where the they show the weight room for the men and then the women get yoga mats and a rack of weights that looks yeah, like they got from mean, lifetime fitness
1: you know i don't i don't really to be honest i don't really know all the details to it um I know the some of the social media posts I saw online look pretty sad. Like, if we're going to make a bubble, it doesn't cost that much money to have a weight room for men and women. I just don't know if that was just an afterthought and not planned. Um, you know, I, I don't understand why that happened, and it certainly shouldn't happen. I mean, top and bottom line is I don't know that there's ever going to be 100% gender equity just because of the revenue difference mm-hmm. um, that the men's game brings in versus the women's game, and that's just the reality of it. And there's, you know, um, but there's been a lot of things that have 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 uh, you know transpired to make it more of a balanced playing field. Like, for example, a lot of people don't know, but Division One women's basketball team gets 15 scholarships where the men's only get 13. So, and there's a lot of different things like that. Um, you know, to try to balance things out. Um, but when you're getting, you know, millions of dollars for a TV ad or a sponsorship or something like that, versus, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, there, there's always, I just think it's almost impossible to co- totally cover that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of facilities and treatment of the athletes, that should be equal. I mean, they should be staying in the same type of hotels or eating the same type of food and having the same access to gymnasiums and, 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 and training and whether it's, you know, athletic training or it's, you know, strength training and all that. Um, it, it was sort of like an embarrassing thing for the NCAA, you know, this, this, you know, billion dollar entity, like, how was that not planned and how were the committees from the men's and the women's, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, NCAA tournament bubble, how are they not in communication? They're working out of the same building and in the same locations and that kind of thing. So I I don't know. It just seems sort of silly to me. And it it also seemed like um, it should have been an extremely easy fix. Like it shouldn't have been blown up into this multi-day discussion i mean that's something you know you write a check and 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 planet fitness drops off a semi-load for where the stuff and you can have it there in four or five hours yeah you know, dicks, know, yeah you
0: know, dicks was saying we can deliver some stuff for you guys or i think orange theory orange theory said they could deliver some weights for the women
1: Yeah, absolutely i mean i know professional athletes when they get traded they have full gyms set up in their house within 48 hours so i mean really i, I mean i, I mean you, you can get anything done in 2021 for a price, Derek. Anything. Anything in the U.S., you can get it done for a price. So that was really silly to me that that, that wasn't uh, better planned.
0: Yeah, that, that, that I thought the same thing, too. You knew that the, you were going into the bubble months in advance because you had to plan it months in advance because this is a serious issue and you don't want the, the a hitch to happen within the tournament, and, and the tournament's going well for both uh, teams. You know, Michigan's men and women's team were both in the Sweet 16, the first time for the women ever in program history They're in the Sweet 16. And I believe Baylor and men and women are in the Sweet 16 as well. So, a uh, success to those schools. Now we get to the NBA. Um, NBA trade. The league.
1: Let's talk about the league.
0: <laughs> for you, you were in the league for a little bit on the scouting side. What was trade deadline deadline for you from your point of view?
1: Uh, so I actually w- was in was in the NBA in both capacities, both as a coach, assistant coach, player development coach, and as a as a scout. Right. Um, and it's different, really, by organization. Okay. Um, and I think it's changed more now. With um, it, it seems to get more aggressive and more fluid every year. Um, as things become more competitive with the salary cap and the luxury tax and things of that nature. Um, and with players not being as loyal or as committed to re-signing when their contracts are winding down. So people don't want to sit on, uh, you know, key players. If, if they're going to become free agents, they, they want to, if they feel like there's any chance, they're not going to um, stick. They look to try to move them and other teams are willing to take the gamble to say, Hey, maybe we can get them for half a year and then re-sign them. But uh, I mean, I think uh, this year was as volatile or as action filled of a last day trade deadline as um as I can remember or recall, and also, I think there were much more moves and activity with the contenders. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, trade deadline is is a lot of bad teams trying to trying to you know trying to improve their draft picks or teams trying to dump players to to prepare for the lottery. And it's a lot of uh, a lot of activity that really doesn't mean anything
0: or but, dump contracts, basically bad contracts. I, or, you absolutely,
1: know. absolutely, and this year uh absolutely opposite of that i mean there's teams that are trying to compete for a championship that made plays and uh, i love i love what the la clippers did by getting rajah rondo i mean they wanted him in the first place but it didn't work out financially so now they got him because to compete they need a playmaking guard they got guys that are terrific but they need someone to make plays for him and he's the perfect person for them um and it's even, W77- though, even though trading
0: Sweet Lou, Sweet Lou Williams, who the night before is the all-time leading scorer, I believe, coming off the bench for six men, well, like at 15,000 points.
1: There's no doubt about it. I mean, Sweet Lou is amazing. Uh, he's one of the best, if not the best ever player to come off the bench, and he is a scoring machine. But he's getting older. And he's not going to win them a championship this year. Mm. So you, you have to give up something if you want to get something. True. Uh, so, so to get Rondo, what, what, what the Clippers need is a playmaking point guard. There were three teams that really needed that, and the Clippers went and got one. Um, I think the other team was Philadelphia 76ers. You know, they wanted, they tried to get Kyle Lowry, they couldn't do it, mm. but they got George Hill. So you got George Hill that can make plays and take the ball handling pressure off Ben Simmons um and make plays for the big fella and beat inside so i love what la clippers did um but what then uh, what
0: is what is ben simmons gonna do because he can't shoot so he's just gonna well, be in the athletic wing <laughs> he drives well, I, I think they'll.
1: i think they'll share the point guard okay. responsibilities i okay. think he can't play the point guard for 48 minutes and okay. win a championship or even win the east true um so in the West, I love what the Clippers did. I love what the Denver Nuggets did. They went and got JaVale McGee. Um, they made several plays. They, they got several uh, new players. They got Aaron Gordon, mm-hmm. um, who is a high-flying you know forward, um, which was a huge surprise to me because the Boston Celtics went all in trying to get Aaron Gordon. Um, and so I think the Denver Nuggets got better. The Clippers got better. Um, and that's, you know, if, if you're going to try to contend with the Lakers, you know, that's what you, you have to do. And then on the East, I love that Philadelphia got a guard and in Miami heat have made, have made some plays. They got Aladipo, Uh, they got the, uh, the, the guy from Sacramento Kings, uh, um, Violet uh, I, the shooter, there you go. There you go. The shooter. I was going to let you say his name. And then, and then it looks like they're going to have a strong chance to get LaMarcus Eldridge when he, uh, gets bought out with the San Antonio Spurs. So I think the Miami Heat and Philly are making plays to try to compete in that East, Um, you know, Toronto, not much happened. Uh, I mean, few, few indiscreet plays. Um, I was really disappointed in Boston because Boston was like the one of the most active teams and they really just didn't get anything done. They, they kind of swapped some uh, inconsequential players. Now it might make their chemistry better because certainly they got chemistry issues, but I really thought Aaron Gordon could be a, a game changer for them and they couldn't get that done and then uh, I'm trying to think of what else. So a team that you know isn't strong right now, but I thought really improved today was the Chicago Bulls. I yeah, I was about Chicago to say Bulls. I was like,
0: You better get to the Bulls, man. Yeah, I think they the, made some good deals.
1: They made some terrific deals. Terrific deals. And they're not gonna win, you know, a championship this year, likely, but they made some terrific deals. They might have come out. Uh, the best on this entire day uh, but I just kind of want to start off talking about them, them actual contenders uh, so yeah a lot going on, a lot going on my man the league, they're making plays
0: yeah, Vucevic and, and, and Zach Levine together, both average over 24 points a game, both were all-stars they also got Tice as well, Daniel Tice from the, the Celtics and uh, uh, they got Mo Wagner I think and basically they got rid of Otto Porter and Wendell Carter, which I think was a really great deal for them because the Bulls were going nowhere. I mean, Zach Levine was doing a lot for that team and it just, they just 500 basketball, which is just kind of annoying. So they had, they had, they had to do something.
1: Yeah. I I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more and planning for the future. You know, they made front office changes this past year and coaching changes. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, you know, it's, Overhaul that roster, and I'm sure uh, they got a plan for the draft as well. But was was very impressed with the uh, the moves that they made today.
0: Yeah, I, I was impressed for as a Bulls fan. I was, I was, I was surprised. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, Before we
1: know it, it'll be playoff time.
0: Well, that that won't come until late May. As you know, the 72-game 72, 72 season, but it was really extended out because of COVID, just in case they make up for games. Uh, they're doing the play-in. Your thoughts on the play-in by the time the playoffs go, where you're playing into the playoffs to get that 7-8 seed?
1: I mean, you know, it it's either here or there. I mean, I didn't I, – you know, I, I guess I just didn't really see the need for the change, but I think it will add some excitement and some intrigue. To uh, you know, some of them teams that are, I guess, playoff bound, but not necessarily championship contenders. So mm-hmm. it'll create a little bit of almost like that March Madness mystique at the NBA level, and probably help viewership and um, help help teams and coaches and players stay more invested. So you know, I'm 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 uh, very curious to see how it turns out. I mean, it turned out. I mean, basically, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they trying to copy like the uh, the, the TBT kind of format?
0: Uh, it's, yeah, sort of like that. Um, yeah. Basically, that's how the NCA is doing it as well. But yes, it's sort of like that, except it's not in the bubble, basically.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah. yeah, so I think that'll be cool. You know, I'm sometimes I'm resistant to change, uh, but. I, I do think that's a, a unique and interesting idea, so looking forward to seeing how it goes.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. For, everything's for the television, I guess. Everything's for the gram. I say it's everything's for the television. I mean, in, in the playoffs, it's, more, it's less in basketball. It's more in baseball, though, where um, obviously they're adding more playoff teams because sometimes some teams are just so far out of it, fans just get disinterested. That's kind of the same way with 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 basketball. If you If you're the below the eighth seed if you're not the ninth seed if you're 10 through 13 or 10 through 14 people just check out so now if you can battle your way to the 10th spot even though you know your last place team it still keeps the interest of the fans so i think that's what's basically what they're trying to do
1: sure yeah i i, I completely agree you know we're we're fickle people everybody wants to root for the winner right well yeah uh, who, who wants every, want have, <laughs> who's want to who's going have- if you got something to play for, at least it, it keeps you interested, keeps you vested.
0: I always tell people, who wants to go play for a loser? There's just some of these teams out here? They want to, you know, we can't get kids to come to our school. But if you're losing, nobody's going to come to your kid. The winning, winning's the best recruiter. I always tell people.
1: There's there, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. There's a lot of truth to that winning cures all ills.
0: Yeah. Um. Last thing, AAU basketball. Any advice on this because the season is starting up and there's so many teams and i know you used to coach aau way 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 back in the day i'm not trying to make you sound really old but you did (laughs) when there was probably only one or two teams in the city now there's probably at least a hundred teams just like the ncaa one or two teams back 20 years ago now you've added another hundred teams to it so what are some good points out there for people to look for when actually choosing an aau team or aau team choosing you
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's such a tough, uh, tough question because it depends on where you individually are kind of in your process and your goals and your objectives. I mean, some kids just want to play because they love basketball. Some kids are trying to, you know, get college attention or um, some kids, you know, need to find a team where everything's free. Some teams, some kids have the ability to to pay. Um, You know, what I always say is find a team that is going to make you better. And that is, that might almost seem like a lost concept in AAU. Because typically, people are saying, where can I play the most? Where can I get the most free stuff? Uh, or where can I get the most college looks or recruitment? But sometimes that leads to you being on a team in a different location. So you're just driving in and out for tournaments, and you're not practicing. And these, these the teams are just running up and down playing games. And what I see so often is a kid that has some talent gets recruited to a quote-unquote good AAU team and it's in a different town or different city, or they're in a situation where they just basically play games. And then, you know, two, three years go by and that kid's gotten no better. No, um, I've seen yeah, that. He, he might've gotten seen by college coaches, but he hadn't gotten any better. So the first thing I would say, Derek is go to a team that's actually going to practice. That's actually
0: <laughs> Well, isn't that common sense?
1: Isn't that common sense? Just yes. go to a team that actually has coaches and they're actually going to practice, and 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 they're going to improve your skill, and they're going to improve your individual skill. But they're also going to put you in a situation on the floor to display that skill. Meaning, you actually have an offense, you actually have defenses that you've all practiced, and you're all on the same page. As opposed to you know going to all these high end tournaments and basically having an open gym with referees. Um, so that so so that would be my first thing. And then and then the second thing is you know. Uh, and this is a tough one because you, you say be realistic with who you are, or where you're at in your game, and and that takes some some self awareness with the parents as well because every parent thinks their kid's the greatest. Mm-hmm. But you know, go to a team, regardless of the reputation of the team, if it's a if it's an EYBL team or if it's an Adidas team or if it's a if it's a you know a top team or if it's not a top team, go to a team where your ability is going to allow you to be in the top seven players. Because if you're not in the top seven players, then what's the point? Because you're just traveling around on a good team sitting on the bench. Um, you know, so I, I, I th- those are two things I think that are extremely important. Go somewhere where you're going to practice, where you're actually going to get coached, and you're actually going to have an opportunity to improve. And then go somewhere where you're going to be in the rotation to play a significant amount of minutes. Because the summertime is all about developing. And mm-hmm. if you're not getting opportunity... You're not developing. And if you don't develop, it doesn't matter how many college coaches are at your at your games or it doesn't matter how many how many uh, uh, coaches call your AAU program because you're a shoe sponsored team or something like that. All of that is is negligible. Um, so I think those are the first two things. And then the other thing, I guess, is, you know, since AAU is such a broad range of ages, you know I think people get too caught up in the recruiting process. Too soon worrying about it. If you're not heading into your junior year in high school or your senior year in high school, then I think, again, focus on where you can play, where you can compete, where you can get better. Because unless you're an elite player, nobody's really recruiting you at, at those ages anyway. Yes. I had a parent ask me a couple days ago, you know, where, and his son is uh, in eighth grade now, going into ninth grade. And he said, which team, or no, he asked me, which AAU tournaments will my son get the most college exposure? and I was like none none you know because if he was if he was a top 50 player in a country he's already got all the exposure he needs and if he's not no coaching staff has the time to recruit him so they're not worried about that they're worried about the juniors and the seniors and the junior college players and the and a thousand kids that are in the division one transfer portal
0: well now that you I was going to say this actually they're not even worried about the juniors anymore there's now it's to the point where they're looking at seniors and they're looking at the transfer portal. There's a lot of coaches now that say, you know what, I'll go to the transfer portal and find a kid that I know that knows what the college life is like, and they know this it's is a their yeah, it's a, safe, safer, it's bet. a safer bet. It's because safe. remember, they're playing. They you're playing for a coach's job to put fam, food on the table for his family. So why take a chance with a high school kid that can get possibly homesick, or we misjudge that he can be at this level? Maybe it could be mentally, maybe it's physically, maybe it's emotionally. He can't handle college, and then you just keep transferring out. I want a kid that knows that you know this probably is their last chance at it. So they've been through the rigors. I'm going to pick that kid up. So if you're an eighth, what, eighth what grader, no, I would tell them, don't worry about You're not getting recruited. No one's coming to the back gym at the junior high, whatever site you're at. Because <laughs> for real, because when you're in the ninth grade, you go to Bill Hensley, uh, the Speeds Tournament, or Rumble in the Rapids and Grand Rapids, nobody's coming to see the freshman 15U play. Sorry. Unless maybe you're Bronny James or you're on Ball is Live, which is rare. No one's coming to see you at, you know, Hawk Elementary. They're just not.
1: Well, the, the other thing, and, and you sort of touched on this inadvertently, uh, or I guess, uh, you know, kind of as a side note, when uh, most high school players, most, you know, there's there, there, everyone will point out, well, I, what about this exception? But 90% of high school players, when they're freshmen in college, they're not starters. No. They're probably not in the top six rotation. Nope. And they, they take a year or two to develop their bodies, their mind, and their skill set. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing right now is players go to a school, and they're there one or two years, and, then, and and they basically put all the work in, and then they transfer to another school who gets to take advantage of it. <laughs> so the Division One coach's mindset is now, well, if I take kids out of the transfer portal, very few kids have a scenario where they can transfer twice. That's correct. So at least I know when I recruit this kid, he's locked in mm-hmm. at a, a much safer bet. It's like it's almost like protecting your assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounds silly, but it's become extremely prevalent in the last, specifically in the last two years.
0: And then think about it. You don't have to put the work in. The other school did it. It's almost like in Major League Baseball how they talk about the small market and big market teams. Small market teams get to rookie. They put all the work in and the investment. And then when it's contract time – you can't pay that big contract like the Yankees can pay. You going over to the Yankees, and the Yankees are winning, you know, World Series. While you know the Kansas City Royals, even though they've won a World Series in the last five years, they're back to having minor leaguers again, Triple A up and coming all stars almost that are going to be major league big leaguer all stars. But they need a few years. By the time they get to those few years, they're off to another team. <laughs>
1: Yes, sir. It's a doggy dog world in the world of sports at all levels.
0: Yeah, so like I tell, I, I it always cracks me up when someone's a 7th or 8th grader and they're just like, this so-and-so is the number one. eight. nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's all for social media and the gram, which is nice, you know, if you want to build your brand, but as you get oh. older, because how many times?
1: My, 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 my mommy and my daddy care. Well, <laughs> yeah, but how many times? Mommy and daddy. Mommy.
0: <laughs> me, me me, and you have been around this game for a long, long time. How many times have you said, me, when we were young, when we were yeah. you know, in high school, how many of those kids that were great in eighth and ninth grade and by the time you're a senior, they're not, nowhere to be found or heard of. They were probably 6'1", 6'2", or sometimes even 5'10", 5'11", as an eighth grader because that's tall for an eighth grader. And they didn't oh, even grow man. again.
1: You ain't, you ain't kidding. I, I, or, or, you know, whoever knows what else can happen. I, I mean, I won't mention names but the best two players that i ever seen uh at least in my youth in northwest ohio neither one of them played one minute of college basketball and they were by far the most talented two players that i saw you know in the 90s or 2000s in northwest ohio so there's always you know there's always casualties or roadblocks or reasons why it doesn't work out um but it's hard to tell parents that it's hard to tell you know Entourages and and aunts and uncles and and, and AAU <laughs> coaches that sometimes. But,
0: what kind but, of eighth graders yeah. are you dealing with that has an entourage?
1: Oh man, come on, <laughs> come on! You, you you go to you go to one of them big time AAU tournaments. You should know. You should know.
0: Wow, entourage, ooh, okay, yeah. But I mean, normally I'm coaching the older kids, so that's there that's why. But it, it, ooh, if you got an entourage at eighth grade, I, ooh, okay. You're you <laughs> doing something big there. Maybe I have to follow them on Instagram or something if you got an entourage. Ooh.
1: All right, we, so we talked about it all, man. We talked about high school hoops. We talked about college hoops. We talked about the NBA. We talked about AAU. But I need to know, I need to know right now, while there's still time? Who are you saying is going to win this NCAA tournament?
0: Oh, okay. Because I was just, I was just about to ramp up the segment. I was thinking that in the back of my head that like we got everything in, and then you had to put me on the hook. Yeah, or, I just I just, want,
1: I just want this to be I just want this to be recorded, so you can't be changing your mind. You know what?
0: If, if you've listened to the if you've listened to the show, so you you know that I don't make predictions.
1: Man,
0: that's sort of a cop out. I just, I just don't. I, I learned that from a, ve- a radio veteran, by the way. I, I I'll,
1: I'll let you tell me Tuesday after the championship who you thought was going to win. I
0: mean, I'll, I'll tell you some favorites. I won't make a prediction of scores or nothing like that. But right now,
1: let me guess. You got sixteen favorites left. No, I, to be honest
0: with you, I thought I did a bracket first time yep. I've done a bracket in years, I don't when I was with the UT women's team, as you know, if you're affiliated with a college team, you're not allowed to do brackets. That's an NCAA right. rule. So then I just got out of the brackets. And a lot of times when I just – I like to watch basketball and relax and watch the plays. When I do a bracket, it's like I have some skin on the game. And, <laughs> yeah, right, and right. Even if it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, okay, I picked this team. To, I like this team, but I picked this team to beat them. So then I get agonized and I just get irritated. And then I don't want to watch the games. But I did a bracket this year, and I was irritated, so I probably won't do a bracket next year. But, but I thought <laughs> Michigan, enough. I thought Michigan was going to lose to LSU, which almost happened, but it didn't. Okay, um, I didn't think Villanova was going to do anything after they lost their guard, so I thought they would get knocked out. I thought Texas Tech would do a little bit better than what what they've been doing, but I have Gonzaga uh, winning it all. And uh, I thought that I kind of got a glimpse that Loyola Chicago might do a little bit of stuff. But I had, I basically, I think I had, like, Illinois in the Final Four. Gonzaga was in the Final Four. And, um, yeah, so I have Gonzaga winning it all. I just like them.
1: Nice. Well, they're hard not to like, man. They got every piece, and uh, they haven't been knocked off yet. Them and Alabama. Mean, really- yeah, nice. Now, they'll nice. play each
0: other in the Final Four, and uh, obviously. So, one of them will knock each other out. But other than that, though, I mean, I knew Ohio State would probably get beat. I wasn't really sold on them. But then they won the – you know, they got to the, the, the Big Ten Championship. So, I thought they'd at least get past Oral Roberts now. But, yeah. Right. So, I think Gonzaga's going to win it all. That'd be the first time that a team has won undefeated season since the '76. Indiana Hoosiers. As you know, in 2015, Kentucky almost did it, but they got beat by Wisconsin in the Final Four game, the semifinal.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, that was a heck of a game, by the way. That was a, it was. One of the, one of the biggest upsets in Final Four history, I think, in terms of, you know, the public perception and the point spread and, and oh, Wisconsin just came out and got it done.
0: That circus of thinking that the Kentucky team could beat an NBA low-level team was, was kind of <laughs> ridiculous as well. So, but that was how much hype they had and then Duke went on to win the national championship.
1: Yep, yeah. All right, my man, well, it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. So,
0: you got it on record if Gonzaga wins, great if they don't. Oh, well. So, um, hey. Um,
1: that's all fair. That's all fair. That's all fair in love and loving basketball, right. bro. I'm just a I'm just a
0: coach and a, a sports announcer. I'm not Nostradamus. So, there you, it, there you go. I can't help you with no placing no bets or making a, you know, tournament bracket. <laughs> You know, I just I'm just the guy that said, you know what, Gonzaga, you winning it. Mm-hmm. What's up next for you? Oh man, I don't know.
1: You know, in this in this this age of uncertainty, I don't know. Check with me tomorrow. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least you're <laughs> you honest. Need to work and grind and try to impact young people's lives. and Use basketball as a tool and that kind of thing. But uh, no, no, uh, yeah, no set plan. And and honestly, in no hurry. and no hurry either. No
0: camps, no nothing. I mean, because now basketball season's over, so obviously you're not commentating.
1: So, uh, commentating is pretty much done for the year. I, mm-hmm. I, I do have the chance to do uh, some Michigan games uh, here, Michigan State Tournament. Um, yeah, yes, yes. And um, in terms of camps, the biggest difficulty right now is everybody's sort of unsure of facility uses and insurance that will, you know, uh, be coupled with uses of facilities. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's still kind of a to-be-determined um and might just get to the point where it's not really worth the, the headache or hassle. But right. I don't know. Like like to do uh something, like to have an opportunity for young people to come out and go to my uh Darren Cohn's basketball boot camp, but um also um want to uh use or I guess present myself as a resource to some of the rising seniors and juniors in the area who are trying to put themselves in a position to uh go to that next level. You know, I always kind of uh, I have a mentorship program where I always help guys in off season and help them get to college. And, you know, this past year that basically came to a halt. So I like to kind of rekindle that and figure out what what we're going forward there. I get calls literally daily from either players, parents or coaches or even athletic directors here this week um, of like, hey, how can you help us you know get better so uh try to figure it out um, but the schedule's hectic uh but i'm sure we'll make something happen and be able to update you here down the road
0: nice well good luck with that man uh, like i said always a pleasure having you here on W 88.3 wht's after further review we hadn't talked to you in about over a month or so so that that was the crazy part
1: yes sir well you know my number. Hit me up. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll be hitting you up
0: later on in the season as the, the NBA season goes with the grind. You know, maybe in a month or well, actually we we'll probably talk a little bit after the NCAA basketball, but then after that you got to wait another month or so before the NBA playoffs start. Is it the end sure. of May?
1: Yeah, no doubt. Going to be a big gap. But uh, all right, man. Well, we'll connect soon. Wake your partner up over there.
0: All right, man. Take it easy. Yeah. See ya. Yep. That was Darren Cohn, the coach here on eighty-eight point three WGT's. After further review uh we we'll take a quick commercial break make sure you always listen to us on itunes or on soundcloud cloud is WHTS after further review with a picture of frank Baster in the horse's head and you can give us a review if it's five stars you know make sure you say you like us maybe even four stars but if it's anything under four stars then don't say anything just keep it moving and say you know what? i just didn't like that show but once again we're always here on the live facebook feed if we're in the studio Normally we're on 11:30 to 1:30 on 88.3 WHUT. and then like I said, if you don't get able to see the show, we're always on iTunes and SoundCloud. WXTs after further review with a picture of Frank Vasher and the Horse's Head, and you can listen to all the segments that we have on here. Well, we'll take a quick break. Look at more here, on 88.3 WXTs after further review. We'll be back after this.